Hi, my name is Renita, and I am your host of the Be Your Own Kind podcast. My podcast aligns with idea of my blog of feeling comfortable with you. I'm excited to share topics and ideas with you today. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome. If you like what you hear and see, please subscribe to the Be Your Own Kind YouTube channel. And if you're listening to the podcast, please follow me. Also in the description box, you can find my Linktree link to all Be Your Own Kind related matters, such as the BYOK merch, where we sell items from t-shirts, sweatshirts, masks, and mugs. Also, you will find our website and the links to my social media. Also, we are always looking to collaborate with others, such as business owners, vloggers, bloggers, or just if you simply want to share your story. Last but not least, if you are looking to promote your business, Be Your Own Kind will gladly promote you. If you are interested in details, please email me at info at beyourownkind.com. Thank you for tuning in and for supporting the Be Your Own Kind platform. Treasure Glitz customizes stem and stemless glasses, mugs, shot glasses, you name it. I love showing off my personalized glasses. She has customized glasses for personal use and even for the Be Your Own Kind podcast. Customized drinkware is great for standing out at your event or relaxing in style at home. So order your item by calling or texting 708-299-7555. Hey, Jason, how are you? Renita, it's been so long. It's so good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on today. Thanks for being on here. Yes, it has been a long time. Like we uh, said before I hit the record button, you know, we used to sit right across from one another and just joke around. And, you know, we worked a little bit, but it was fun fun having you as a friend at work, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So what have you been up to, you know, Uh, what you've been into? You're moving all across the country, I feel like, since the last time I saw you. But we're out here in Denver now, just living it up. Can't complain too much. Got two awesome pups. Got married. So settling down here a little bit, coming into my own. And uh, probably the most important thing for me is launching my own blog, launching Orthorexia Bites and stuff, and just getting out there and connecting with people. So um, the last couple months, I mean, I know that the pandemic's been a crazy time for everybody, but the last couple months have have been a great time for me personally just a lot of personal growth and uh just loving life right now i'm loving it loving it so denver that's by the mountains right it's right up next to the mountains yeah and the weather here is crazy like one day it'll be 80 and the next day we'll get two feet of snow like you just never know what's going to happen next that's worse than chicago (laughs) no i didn't think it could get worse than chicago right right so you mentioned your blog um or i'm gonna say i'm gonna pronounce it right ortho orthorexia is that right orthorexiabites.com i loved it like i was reading blogs i read your story like it's very inviting it's very like down to earth and transparent like i totally love your blog what made you start the blog and share your experience yeah, so as, as a male with an eating disorder and facing mental illness, um, I had, when I went out looking for help, I didn't really find any help. I felt really kind of isolated kind of by myself because I didn't match the stereotypes that we 
we kind of have for eating disorders. And even my eating disorder isn't relatively well-known orthorexia. So I decided I needed to get out there and share my story so that other people didn't feel so alone. Because I just, like I said, I felt kind of isolated. So you know me, I'm always one to talk and I always enjoy talking about myself. So (laughs) I was like, why don't I make that, make good of it and take this bad situation that I, encountered and try to make it a little bit easier for people that are going through the same things. But it's awareness for me that I love because um, as you said, I've never heard of orthorexia. Um, I looked it up. Actually, I Googled like the same way you, you did when you discovered it when you read the book. Like I was like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, okay. So sometimes you can over obsess over the healthy foods. Yeah. Yeah. I personally, I uh, started recovery in July of last year, but it wasn't until October of last year when I actually heard orthorexia for the first time. I didn't know it even existed myself. So um, yeah, for me, it wasn't, I think the stereotype is that people with eating disorders are trying to control their weight. And while that was aspects of mine throughout my battle with food and my unhealthy relationship with food, uh, my driving force was just trying to be as clean as possible when it came to eating, to eat as healthy as I could. Everything had to be organic. I needed to know the, just the nutritional content. Um, and just, I was obsessed with it because I had had some health scares in my life and I didn't want to die. I didn't want to have those risk factors that we often associate with food. So I kind of, I became obsessed. It was like an addiction and my addiction was to healthy food. Right. And this this kind of dated back as a teenager when you said you were a heavier child and then in high school you started Weight Watchers and you it, it kind of was like the origin of it. But it, to you, it didn't really hit you hard until your early, your later years, like um, your wedding. I, I, I read on your story that at your wedding, you got really obsessed with, you know, looking a certain way or, or like presenting yourself a certain way for your your wedding day. Well, you know, because I had been at your wedding and I had high expectations to live up to. So I had to look good. (laughs) But yeah, it was one of those things that um, when I was a child, I was overweight and I had lost the weight in high school. And that was my prize accomplishment. That was something that I was just very proud of. And um, I went through a lot of dark times in my life, but I always had that accomplishment that I would go back to. So I think it especially got worse as the wedding was approaching because I was coming in contact again with members of my family or friends that hadn't seen me in a long time and I wanted to impress them. And since I kind of had, I guess, low self-esteem at that point, uh, the one thing that I thought I was good at was controlling my weight and controlling my diet. So that I just clung to that through it all. And then once the pandemic hit last year and the whole world was out of our control, I thought the only way I could control it was to again return to the scene of the crime and worry about my weight, worry about my diet. And it was just at that point, given the health concerns that I had faced, um, clean eating just seemed like the option to go to. You see it so much online with the Fitspiration or the hashtag clean eating. And I, I fell prey to it. It's it, what started off with a harmless intent of just trying to be healthy, took an unhealthy turn. Yeah, and, and I noticed like even though this was your sense of control when you have a lot of uncontrollable factors happening around you, you still um, in your blog refer to it as a thief. 
yeah, it had stole so much from me. And it's only now in recovery that I'm realizing how much it stole from me. Like I just even think about getting together with friends um, or office events. I couldn't fully enjoy myself because I was so focused on the food. Um, we, I think about the night before my wedding when our friend surprised us with a chocolate cake from Portillo's, which I'm missing out here in Denver. Can I just say, send me, send me a chocolate cake this way. But um, I, they surprised us with one and I couldn't even really enjoy it because in my head I was freaking out. Oh no, I'm, this is going to cause me cancer or cause me diabetes or I'm not gonna be able to fit into my suit tomorrow. And it was just those little events that orthorexia it stole from me I wasn't I was no longer free it was like I was a hostage and I could not go to a restaurant and just order what I wanted to eat I had to order what orthorexia wanted me to eat right. and that impacted vacations because just think about it when you go on vacation you you want to explore new restaurants you want to try new menu items I couldn't do any of that everything had to be pre-planned so it was stealing my freedom stealing my happiness yeah, most definitely. You you said your two judges was Simon Simon Cohen and the Ramsey Gordon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's some that's catching that going on. Every now and then they'd invite Judge Judy in too, and it's just a real festival. <laughs> and you know, misconception because I've been heavy majority of my life. I always like, well, you know, the smaller person they don't go through anything. Oh, big whoop, you're underway. Big whoop, you know, you want to, but. But really, everyone has their struggles. So it, it, you just because you haven't experienced it don't mean it's not there. You know, because me, I have my own struggle with food where I, I, I eat the unhealthy things, but I never thought of it on the other spectrum. You know, how that can also be dangerous to, to like cut everything out of your diet because you're going to need some protein, you're going to need some fats and sugars, you know, to sustain, you know. Yeah, that's, it's so true. Uh, the one thing that I've been very aware of in recovery is to not mention anything about anybody's weight. Whether they're skinny, whether they're large, it does not matter because you don't know what that person is going through when it comes to their body image and their diet. And uh, for me, uh, I would pr be praised a lot. People would be like, oh my gosh, your willpower is incredible. Oh, you're so skinny, you look incredible, blah, blah, blah. And that just fed into my disorder because it made me feel pr pride in what I was doing. So people were actually praising me for having an eating disorder. It was just none of us at the time knew it was an eating disorder. Right. Well, the society, though, you know, you're you're what society wants you to be. And everyone else, people that are not looking like that are struggling, you know, like so it's kind of like you are you're fitting that ideal. You know, mm -hmm. on the other hand, on my side, it's like you have no control over your life. You just don't care. You're not trying. You're not this. So you kind of get a not once I get away or get by with it longer because you're fitting that quote unquote physical stereotype, you know, so you don't have like. The pressure is really within you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it's not a lot of external factors, you know, pressing you know, society-wise, in my opinion, you know. Yeah, very true, very true. There's just such a stigma around people that are overweight or the people that might seem out of control with their diets. When right. we're each our own body, we each have our own foods that we like to eat and I figure we should enjoy them. That's the one thing that having this eating disorder has taught me is that we shouldn't label foods good or bad. We shouldn't judge somebody based upon what they look or what they eat. There's just so much more to everybody than our appearance or our diet. 
Right. And so um, I know that you wanted to touch upon self-compassion. And I feel like like that definitely had to be a part of, of every, every recovery because we're so hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't give ourselves mercy. We don't give ourselves grace. And I just want to ask you just for people that battle with, you know, the self-loathing, like how do you externalize issues? Like how do you tell yourself this is just something that's happening? It's not because I've done something wrong or that I'm a bad person. So the, the key for me was I had a conversation very early on in my therapy with my um, therapist about uh, the two dart theory. It's a Buddhist concept. And the first dart is we can't stop it. That's the pain that's inflicted on us by the world. But it's that second dart. And that's our dart to throw. So we can either beat ourselves up for feeling a certain way, or we can choose not to throw that second dart and forgive ourselves. And for me, that's been key because it's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to hurt, to feel sad, to be lonely. Um, But you shouldn't you shouldn't attack yourself for it because you're just making the situation worse at that point. So it's learning in those moments that I'm val- that these feelings are valid. I can feel the way I feel and that's completely acceptable. And just allowing myself the time to recover. And the other thing that I found has been key now is if I am having a bad day, I voiced it to somebody, whether that's even just putting recovery journal but usually I'll pull in my husband Matt or someone and I'll be like hey I'm, I'm having a bad day today and I don't feel any shame for saying that anymore I don't feel weak for saying that and to me that's just another step in self-compassion because I'm able to recognize that you know I'm not this happy-go-lucky person that I might always seem to be on this given day and that's totally fine because tomorrow's a new day Right. I love that. I love that. Just feeling how you feel. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. We're human. I don't know why we expect like to have to be fluffy every day. Yeah. You know, is it a show for someone else? You know, or is it hiding? You know, why do we feel we have to hide who we are and how we feel in front of people that we love? And really, they want to be a part of that. But when you mask it, you kind of you know, separating yourself and isolating yourself. And I feel like that's when that those lonely feelings start, you know, creeping up when you don't include your community, you know, on your bad days. So. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing that I think that's another reason why I kind of called my eating disorder a thief, because it stole me from my friends. It stole me from the people around me because I hid. I, I felt like I was constantly in character, almost like I was an actor or something, because I'm putting on, I'm like, okay, what's, th- what's this situation that I'm entering myself in? Got to be the crazy, loud, fun guy today, even though inside I might not be feeling it. Inside I might be hurting, but it's just, yeah, there's that pressure from society to just kind of feel like we, we're happy all the time. Otherwise, we're just either looking for attention or we're weak or we're a failure. That's not the case at all. No, it's just you're human. And I feel like if the pandemic didn't teach any of us anything, it was that. Mm -hmm. Because we were at home, our lives were disrupted, and we had to face us. Yeah. Yeah, totally. We've had so much time to kind of get to know ourselves, which for me has been, it's been key during my recovery to be at home and to kind of be removed from those um, interactions, those everyday interactions that we have where we put on those masks. Um, It's kind of nice to be at home and to just get to know who Jason is. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I feel like 
I feel like it. I'm not the same person I was, you know, when 2020 left, you know, when 20, when 2019 entered and 2020, I'm not the same person. And I feel mm -hmm. like it's for the better, even if it was some hard truths, because even during the pandemic, I, I got a therapist to work on some of my stuff, you know, um, mm -hmm. like, why do I always suck at this one point? You know, like, so I feel like a lot of people had like this sense of revelation, but also a relief. Because when you talk to someone and you seek therapy, you do realize you're not defected. It's just some stuff you got to work through. Yeah, it's it's an amazing feeling. And I, I like I tell everybody to go see a therapist now. I should probably go into therapy because I'm referring so many people to it. Because there are things that I'm working on with my therapist that I didn't even know were broken. And I think that's what's the coolest thing. I think no matter what we're facing in our lives, we could all benefit from having those open and honest conversations with a professional because it only makes you better. It only makes you stronger and it only makes you love yourself more. Yes, most definitely. So do you feel that now that you're improving, you know, upon the relationship with yourself, that that's reflecting on your, your other relationships? Absolutely. Absolutely. I am a much better husband, a much better friend. So we're going to have to hang out more often now because I'm even better than I used to be. <laughs> but uh, I'm able, I'm able to have that empathy for people. I'm able to have that authenticity with people. I don't have to walk around on eggshells anymore. I can be myself and be comfortable and be able to be present. That allows me to be in that moment. And I also, I have that compassion. I have love for other people and i can see the good in other people and i think given the pandemic and everything that's happened in the world it's very hard to to find that to, to often find the positivity and the light out there in the world right now but what i've gone through has enabled me to do that because i realize we're all going through our own things and we all just need to be there for each other we're all one community at the end of the day and we all rely on each other Exactly, exactly. I, I, I feel like empathy, and, and you can call me a five-year-old, but I feel like empathy would cure a lot of this hate in the world. Like, I'm, I just feel like it, if we could just take the time and understand, yeah. you know, respect each other, you know, you're different from me, but that don't make me better than you and me less than you. We're just, we're human. You know, we're, we're individuals, you know, so. I saw something last night. I think it was on Shark Tank or something. Who knows? And they said, uh, we're all equally different. And I loved it because it totally, it just sums up everything. We're all different, but we're all equal. Exactly. I love that. I'm going to steal that quote. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm quoting Shark Tank, I think. So you can quote me quoting Shark Tank. And that's how we'll do it. <laughs> So um, I am aware of, you know, you losing your parents at a young age. We used to talk about it, you know, when we worked together. Um, and during this time of, you know, uh, during this, this pandemic, a lot of people experienced loss, you yeah. know, um, unexpected loss due to due to the virus, you know, or the subset um, diagnosis that people had. You know, I just wanted because I know that, you know, you, you fought through it and you, you went through the journey. Like, what advice would you have for those of coping with loss? I think the, the biggest thing, and this was 20 years in the making for me, is to have self-compassion for yourself in those times and to allow yourself to grieve. Don't try to bottle it up. Don't try to hide it. Just express your emotions. If you're missing that person, tell somebody. Even if you just write it down somewhere, express it and let it out. Don't bottle it up. 
And I think the other thing is to always cherish the times that you did have, because that, especially in the immediate aftermath of a loss, that was key for me. I would look back at the memories and I lost my dad when I was 11. And I constantly tell everybody, I would rather have that dad for 11 years than any other dad for 50 years because I cherished those 11 years that I had with them. So no matter how short our time was with the individual that we've lost, uh, cherish the time that you did have with them. And at the same time, allow yourself to be authentic and to be real. Because I, I hurt. I hurt a lot after I lost my parents, but I didn't always show it. And looking back, uh, it was crazy. I was talking to my therapist and this is one of those things that I was saying with meeting with a therapist makes you uncover things you didn't realize you had. And he said, you know what, Jason, you never had a chance to eulogize your mom, to grieve over your mom's passing. So he asked me to write a eulogy. And here I was 15 years after she passed away, writing a eulogy to her. And it was one of the most powerful, remarkable moments in my recovery. It just allowed me to let go of so much. So that's why I just tell everybody, just get those emotions out. There's no need to bottle them up for 15 years like I did. Uh, we won't think anything less of you if you're sad, if you're lonely, if you're hurting today. Oh, that's beautiful. That's well said. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> that is beautiful. So you have a book coming out in August, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I, and I'm thinking like, how many times did we talk back and forth that we needed to, that I needed to make my life a book because of everything that was going on? So here we are. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> so yeah, what's it about? So it's coming out uh, hopefully in August. Where that's the date right now, okay. and it's just about my entire journey from childhood, from dealing with that childhood obesity and bullies at school, and it just progresses through the loss of my parents, and then the battle that I had to take after losing my parents, the estate battle, and the falling out with my siblings, and facing homelessness, and facing eviction, getting arrested, all of those different things that happened to me in the course of losing my parents, and then kind of how it all feeds into my eating disorder, how it had kind of lurked in the background for 15 years before really blowing up last year. So it just kind of, it's for, it's the whole story, the whole shebang. Like I am not leaving anything um, held inside. I just kind of let it all out. Oh, I can't wait. This is this is a well-awaited book. <laughs> you yeah. experience more to me than some people have living 80 years, like in the, the short time. You know, when I met you, you were in your 20s. When yeah. I knew you, and I'm like, oh my God, he's lived a life. <laughs> he's lived a life. But I, I always love your determination. I always love your perseverance. Because as you said, no one even knew you were hurting. Like you were always happy, chipper. You know, um, making making me smile. I'd be like the piece, and you'd be like, "It's okay." And then I, you know, you never know what a person is internalizing. You know. <laughs> I always I always think a lot about how we'll read in the news and stuff about comedians that are going through depression, or you know, we'll lose comedians to suicide or something, and they just always come across as so happy. And that's kind of like how I was. There was so much going on in the inside, but I masked it with that happiness and mm -hmm. always joking around and. Be in the center of attention, crazy, loud guy. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of my, that was my protection back then. Wow. And you're right. Robin Williams was a shocker. Yeah. 
he was a shocker. I'm like, are you serious? You are like my childhood. You're the genie. Like, I was like, oh man, if only you knew how much we love you, man. I know, just one more Mrs. Doubtfire. (laughs) (laughs) So here on BYOK, we have a staple question, which is if you can describe yourself in one word, what would it be and why? Survivor. And it's because of everything that I've been through. And it's the title of my book, uh, Starving to Sur- Starving for Survival. But um, I survived so much in my life. And I blamed myself for so long for mistakes that I made after losing my mom. But looking back, I didn't, there was no rule book. There was no guidebook to follow. I was simply in survival mode. I was hanging on from one day to the next. So I look back now and I don't feel any regret any remorse for anything that's happened because i know i'm a survivor i love that because where does regret get you it's it's just a rabbit hole and here's the thing if you had that chance to go back to that point you have no idea if you would have done it the same or different Mm -hmm. you you have no idea yeah exactly i because there is no precedent for that situation you just and you can never blame yourself for something that you're just doing the best you can right and i feel like that's what we're all doing the best we can so when you're giving your best and it don't work out such is life exactly say la vie and move on to the next project exactly because life is a learning process is you constantly learning something you're going to constantly be making mistakes the thing is how do you interpret the mistakes what is your perspective you know when those mistakes happen okay i probably won't do that again <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, all right like i got breaking news for you probably tonight or sometime tomorrow i'll screw something up but that's okay <laughs> that's just what happens so i can't i can't hang dwell too much on that and i love that and that goes back into that self-compassion and that self-mercy you know i love mm-hmm. that Man, Jason, I, I I love this conversation. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. It's so good just to catch up again and to just to just share my story, to just be 100% authentic and real. And just I, every time I have the opportunity to share it, um, it's a very therapeutic experience because it was actually my self-compassion came from writing my story. My therapist had asked me to kind of write my story because I was so scared to tell my friends about my eating disorder Mm -hmm. and I wrote the story I read it back to myself and it was in that moment that I gained compassion for myself because I was able to see myself objectively as a third party and I felt really bad for the main character and then I'm like wait a minute that main character is me so even now today having this conversation with you it's just it's a very therapeutic experience for me because it enables me to have that self-compassion that we're talking about Right. And you have patience with yourself because on your your latest, you know, um, post, I was all on your site on your latest, (laughs) your latest post. You were saying, you know, you know, on the outside, you know, I've reached this, you know, this this number, but that's just a number, you know, but emotionally and mentally, I'm still going through it, you know, so I have a long way to go. But I'm being patient with that, essentially, you know, what you were saying. And I thought that was beautiful. You know, outside I'm looking good, but I'm still mending on the inside and I'm being patient with that. 
Exactly. I we just met, we mentioned at the beginning of this that I live here in Denver, right next to the mountains now. And from our upstairs bedroom, I can actually see the mountains. And if I'm having a bad day, I'll go up there and look at them and just think about the hikers and stuff that climb them. They're not worried about just what's at the top. They're enjoying that entire process up, and that's what I'm doing right now with. Uh, my recovery is I'm enjoying the process. I'm not worried about the end result or where, whatever that top's going to be. I'm taking it day by day and just enjoying the process. I love that. I, I, listeners, I think we should all take a you know a, a page out of Jason's book for real, like because we miss moments. We we either living in the past or we're living living in the future. But are we embracing the now? You know, are we present? With yeah. what's going on now. That is something that I was not for a very long time. I held on to the pain of the past and I had the anxiety of the future and the middle just kind of seemed to be the inconvenience. So yeah, hanging on to the present and enjoying it. It's that's what life is all about. Okay. Well, I, you know, anything else you want to add? I noticed that I think I still have your site up. I noticed that you have a section dedicated to men. Um, are you, you want to, are you, tell me a little bit about that. So uh, as I've been coming to terms with everything that happened, I realized that as a male going through an eating disorder and talking about my emotions and mental health and all of this, that there aren't very many voices out there. And it's because we live in a society where masculinity seems to be defined as muscles and toughness and all of that. And that caused me to hold on to a lot of it. I had a conversation with my dad right before he passed away, where I promised him I would be the man of the house, where I would take care of mom and make sure she was okay. And in my 11 year old mind, I equated that to being the tough guy, to being macho, to not showing my emotions. And that held with me for 20 years and caused a lot of this pain and inner turmoil that I faced because I was too scared to share my true emotions for fear of not looking like a man and acting like a man the way that society expects me to be. So one of the things that I hope to do with the blog is to change that conversation, to let men know that it's okay to share their emotions and to speak up if they're, if they're struggling with something that, that doesn't make them any less of a man, it doesn't make them any less of a guy, we're not gonna think anything different of them. In fact, one of the things that I kinda hold on to now is that the strongest man in the room is the one who's open and honest with his emotions. Doesn't matter how much he can lift, because I can guarantee you there's a lot of guys out there that can lift a lot more than I can. But at the end of the day, they're going through hurt. They're experiencing pain at times in their lives too. And all they've got to do is just open up and share it because there's always help there. Yes, I love that. Just breaking that whole societal macho, you know, because men are not weird up to feel. Women are, but mm -hmm. men aren't, you know? You right. have to be the protector like, and whatever else, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a lot like how society places a lot of focus on women and body image. We we see that pressure a lot. With men, it's almost like society puts the pressure on men to act tough and macho, um, more so than body image. It's almost more kind of their mentality. And uh, luckily I've been fortunate enough to meet some great people, some great guys now through the blog that are going through some of the same things I've gone through and that are 
starting to open up about it, but they've told me they wouldn't have opened up had they not seen my story and felt comfortable enough sharing their stories. And I just, I worry that there's a lot of other guys out there going through that and um, there, there's no need to. Well, they are because even when I was growing up, if a little boy cried too much, you know, quit being a wuss, you know, or, you know, even now, if, if a guy is talking too much, you know, he may, in fear of his friends making fun of him, you know, or, you know, teasing him or whatever. And it's just kind of like, but but he's bottled up inside. Like how many, I always think about um, guys that are in prison. I'm like, if only they might've had a chance to get some of that out, would that have helped with that anger, you know, that irrational, you know, behavior? Like if they just had somebody to talk to and let down their guards, you know? Oh, totally. Totally. I totally think that would be the case because um, I myself, as my eating disorder and my mental illness escalated, I became very angry, very aggressive, and I just became very negative and bitter towards people. And I can totally see that how guys can, because that seems to be about the only emotion guys can express where it's accepted. It's like if a guy gets angry, we're like, okay, that's fine. You know, he's just a tough guy. That's all. If he cries, we think he's a little wuss, like you say. But if, if he gets angry, it's like, oh, okay, that's fine. So yeah, I would be very interested too, like with the number of guys that are in jail and that commit crimes or, you know, make, make mistakes along the way. How much of that could have been fixed if they would have just had somebody they felt comfortable sharing their emotions with? Yeah, that's, yeah. So I, I'm glad that you are, you know, touching people and impacting people. You've always been impactful. I'm just going to put that out there, you know, but I'm glad that you're still being, you know, as impactful and you're being open and you're being transparent and you're being kinder to yourself. Yeah, yeah that's the key. Yeah, the, I think that's the big thing. We often worry too much about being kind to everybody else, but we also have to worry about being kind to ourselves. And uh, I think through being kind to ourselves, we're able to be a better person to everybody around us. Yes, most definitely. Well, Jason, uh, like you said, we're going to, you know, hook up and <laughs> and hang out and talk a little bit more. But I just want to, you know, share my appreciation for you being on my podcast. Um, I am loving, loving the man that you are growing into. And I'm definitely going to follow everything, you know, that you're doing. And for our listeners, where can, where can people connect with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, so my blog is orthorexiabites.com. And uh, you can just find me. I'm on social media, any platform you can think of. I'm there either under Orthorexia Bites or Jason Wood. And uh, like I mentioned, I've got my book, Starving for Survival, that'll be coming out in August, which um, to me, it goes a lot deeper than just an eating disorder. It kind of touches upon what we just talk talked about with the stigma around men and their emotions. So um, yeah, if, if you want to get in touch with me, I love hearing people's stories. Uh, like I said, I love the therapeutic aspect of just listening to other people and building that community. So uh, reach out, reach out, talk to me. Most definitely. And thank you listeners for listening um, to Jason and I today. And I hope that you've learned something today that you've learned to be kinder to yourself and to seek therapy. There's nothing wrong with that. Just to, just, just to talk, you know, and you'll find some things that maybe they can point out that you never even thought would be there, you know? Um, and I, once again, just remember to be kind to um, yourself and be kind to each other until next time. Bye.